Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Today is Monday, July 7th, and I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the free, absolutely free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by the great folks at Tractor Supply. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. 
this semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. It is another Monday, which means another great episode with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Today we've got a great topic. He's going to be teaching us all about sulfa drugs, how they work, why they work, and uh, hey, what's, what, what are the best kind, and uh, when do we need to use them for what ailment with our backyard chickens. So uh, we'll get to that here in just a minute. Hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. I know we sure did. We had a great time. We're getting settled back here at the old homestead in Ideal, Georgia. It's good to be back. Uh, We're going to be here for probably about six weeks before we hit uh, the road again on the uh, Chicken Whisperer Tour with Tractor Supply. We'll be heading up north between Virginia and Maine. Uh, We will have another national webinar at CDC headquarters this August 19th. We'll be posting a lot about that uh, in the upcoming weeks. And then that will actually kick off the Tractor Supply Tour that will go, again, from Virginia to Maine. And I'll be uh, posting all the stops, all the locations, all the events, all the times. Uh, as we get those confirmed with tractor supply. So we're looking good, looking forward to a great uh, fall tour uh, going up into uh, a nice cooler area of, uh, of the country because of the season coming up. Looking forward to kind of getting up into the uh, Vermont area and maybe the fall. Maybe we'll see some nice colors up that way um, on our way uh, back home from the tour as we get up towards Maine. And uh, it's going to be a fun uh, fun family trip as well as a good and uh, productive work trip spreading the chicken love all across the country. Also found out this weekend that I was booked at the uh, Sunbelt Ag 
Expo in Moultrie, Georgia for October. It is the nation's premier uh, farm show. Over 100,000 attendees attend. And I've known about it living here in in Georgia. I'm a lifetime native of Georgia, but even living down here in South Georgia, it's not too too far from me. But they uh, about a, m- a month ago, I guess they inquired about me coming out there. They're actually this year will be the first year they have a whole section of um, not necessarily big ag uh, career commercial farming uh, and industry, but but hobby farms, backyard farms. So they're going to have a, 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 a big segment about uh, backyard poultry and, and um, uh, composting and gardening and different things like that for on small scale. Uh, so you may not need a quarter of a million dollar John Deere Dooley four-wheel drive GPS tractor, uh, but you might need a little homestead tractor with about 30 horsepower, something like that. And so uh, um, I'll be speaking the three days for the three events. Looking forward to that. I'll be, I did post about that this morning on the Facebook page because that has been officially booked, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I know that uh, Caleb's going to really enjoy it, too, with all the tractors and all the farm implements and, and the equipment that's going to be there. So definitely looking forward to that event this coming uh, October. Of course, that will be after the Chicken Whisperer Tour, so we'll get back home, get settled here, and then uh, head down. That's probably about an hour and a half drive, maybe maybe two hours uh, to, the event, to the event from home. So looking forward to having an event kind of kind of close to home as well. So also want to remind everybody, if you haven't already, check my Facebook page. I posted all the information you need to know about the awesome Chicken Coop contest I actively have going in the summer issue of Chicken Whisper Magazine. Um, it is an awesome coop by Urban Coop Company out of Dripping Springs, Texas. And um, they've uh, donated a beautiful round-top chicken coop uh, for the Summer Issue Contest. So it's been going on for about a month now. The Summer Issue has been out for about a month now. But I have the link, the direct link, right to where you can enter that contest for a chance to win that awesome Urban Coop Company round-top chicken coop. Awesome coop, and you'll have a chance to win. So uh, got to love it. The spring contest is now over. We should be announcing the winner for that awesome chicken coop here shortly. And we will resume with our coop contest, I'm pretty sure, in August. We're taking a break here in July. But I think we'll be resuming our coop contests for the month of uh, August when that gets here just here in a few weeks. So lots of things going on and uh, getting geared towards fall. Uh, but yet uh, it is hot, hot, hot all across the country right now. And so after we talk a little bit about uh, sulfur drugs and how to use them, why to use them, what ailments they're good for, and, and how they work, well, if we have a little time, we'll, we'll uh, talk again about um, dealing with the summer heat and your chickens. Back on May 27th, I looked it up this morning because I'm going to post it this afternoon, uh, Peter Brown joined us and we had an entire episode on beating the heat keeping your chickens calm, cool, and collected. And uh, I'll post the link to that podcast. You can listen to 24 hours a day, seven days a week for free and uh, get all the information you need to keep your backyard poultry cool this summer. So we may touch on that a little bit if there's time at the end of this episode. But if not, no worries. I'll be posting on the Facebook page an entire episode about how you can keep your chickens calm, cool, and collected throughout the summer heat. So, uh, again, spreading the chicken love nationwide, getting you the good information from our team of experts. And let's bring one on right now. That's Peter Brown 
also known as the Chicken Doctor. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I did. Uh, quiet. <laughs> Just the way I like good. it. <laughs> Not a whole lot of noise. So. That's good. That's good, though. Kind of just sit back and relax, close your eyes a little bit in the hot afternoon, and uh, drink a little lemonade, and, and just kind of uh, just, just relax, stress-free. Got to love it. This kind of suits me fine. So. Yep. Our uh, our neighbor next door here, um, he's uh, every the, the, the first Saturday after the 4th, which happened to be nah, this past Saturday, uh, for the last 30 years. He's had a huge barbecue, and um, it started out kind of like a family reunion, but then it was family and friends and anybody else, really, that he knew and uh, made acquaintance with over the years. But Saturday was the 30th annual, and um, it's a whole weekend affair. They start planning weeks out, and then uh, he goes and gets, I think this year, when he opened up his smoker, he had uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 11 um, uh, Hogs. They weren't the entire hog. I don't know what you call it. The, the, a, a portion of, I don't remember what portion it was, but he had 11 big old chunks of meat in that smoker. He puts on about uh, Friday at noon and then uh, takes it off uh, Friday about midnight, about 12 hours, I think. And Saturday morning takes it up to his friend's house who has a big um, processor, a grinder or whatever, and, and, and basically does the pulled pork and Everybody brings a side dish, and I'm not. There's no exaggeration. I posted pictures uh, last year in years past. There must be the long line of food. There must be literally. This is no exaggeration. Maybe somewhere between six. There's more than six. Maybe around eight to ten, um, six and eight foot folding tables long. Of, of food in, in, in his backyard, and it's just absolutely amazing. So we did send that for, for a couple of hours on uh, on Saturday. He probably had about 200 people show up again this year and uh, for his 30th annual. And um, he may he may uh, stop. He may continue every year. He says, oh, this is probably the last one, but it's in his blood, so I don't think he can stop it. He gets a lot of, he gets a lot of help from his uh, his family, and which is good now. And um, so that we did that Saturday. Jen's parents came down. And um, it was good to see them, um, but it was um, it's 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 good to see them, but it, yet it's a shame and it's a little scary to to see um, the, the health condition that that they're in. Um, they really shouldn't have drove down by themselves, but they ended up doing it and um, didn't tell Jen's sister because she would have uh, disapproved because uh, JT's driving has d- diminished a great deal. But uh, Jen and I were talking about it, and it's. it's um, you know, you got to got to take care of your parents. They took care of you growing up. But the whole weekend they were here. It was um, we, we often made the comment. It's it's like having, you know, instead of two kids that we have now, our own. We've got when they're here four kids, and because of the same uh, the, the same thing, looking out for, caring for them as you would uh, in many cases like a four and five year old. So. You know, you got got to take care of your parents. It's what we got to do. They took care of us. They wiped our butts, and <laughs> raised us, and and uh, you got. You, I mean, you got to look at it. I look at it that way. You know, they didn't turn their back on us when the tough. When when it, so, you know, you got you got to kind of watch out for them. And she was talking to her other sisters this weekend about it and and things like that. And the county up there is going to be taking a lot of their property to expand a road. 
and um, her, her family was talking, her sisters were talking about, well, maybe, I mean, I mean, a lot of property to widen the road to where the, they're literally the, the edge of the road, the white line would be, I don't know, eight feet from their front porch. I mean, just, you know, how, you know, they, intimate domain, they call it, better yeah. for human mankind, whatever they want to call it. But So they were talking about possibly using that as a, uh, uh, getting an attorney to just say, hey, why don't y'all just take the whole property, make us an offer, and then they'll use that and then uh, um, to, to get them in maybe an assisted living um, and then have them, you know, so they don't have to worry about the maintenance of the property for or selling it or whatever. And so all that kind of reared itself again this year with having uh, older parents that are having some health issues and dementia and things like that. So it's nice to have them here, but sad to see the progress. And, and in some cases, just you know, almost like for us, having two more kids to look after and, and take care of. But you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta do it. It's your, uh, it's it's your. I don't know. It gets just gotta be done. So. Uh, take care of them parents they took care of you and it's your turn so but anyway so we had a pretty good pretty good weekend saw some fireworks and i took them to see the fireworks which was good and um they had some time to relax so other than that good 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 weekend celebrating the independence of this great country and um but it's now back to uh back to work and getting back to the grind and we're today we're talking about Sulfur, sulfur drugs, how they work, why they work, why we need to use them, why, what what elements we use on. And if there's any time at the end, if not, so be it. I will post um, the episode where we talked about keeping chickens summer uh, uh, calm, cool, and collected. And I have no problems doing that. If we can learn because we've got the heat wave going on now. And so if we have time, great. If we don't, no big deal. Today we're talking all about sulfur. But this in the archives for people to listen to. So we'll turn it over to you, my friend, and let you share your uh, expertise with us. Yeah, the, this um, has always been a big controversy uh, over the years. Um, uh, you know, one sulfur is worse than the other, uh, and collectively <clears throat> looking at things, um, if you want to look at it uh, in, that, in that respect, then, then they're, they're all bad uh, if you come right down to it at the end of the day. But uh, the overall issue is... Um, Sulfur drugs were first uh, discovered uh, back in the early 30s, uh, late late 20s, uh, and they are older basically than penicillin. Uh, actually, penicillin was the drug that replaced uh, sulfur drugs as the drug of choice uh, back in that day, uh, and that was mainly due to uh, to uh, uh, basically antibiotic resistance. So you know. We talk about antibiotic resistance today like it's something that just popped up uh, 15 minutes ago, <clears throat> when in fact it's something that's been going on since the advent of antibiotics, period. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the overuse, the misuse, uh, and in, in many cases uh, uh, it's just a natural occurrence. Uh, I've said this before on the show lots of times, uh, whether it's uh, human, animal, or otherwise, every organism basically wants to live, and that's what antibiotic resistance is all about, a surviving uh, microbe that uh, has a mechanism to circumvent the, uh, uh, the antibiotic that's being used and uh, makes itself and subsequent uh, replicates of that uh, disease organism uh, uh, resistant to the antibiotic that's, that's being used, and, and it may very easily, depending on the drug classification, um, make other drugs in that same classification resistant uh, very easily as well. Um, the 
rhyme and reason why these things become uh, uh, drug-resistant uh, is not overly well understood. Uh, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that um, uh, there was some light shed on it. It has to do with uh, part of the DNA strand and, and the way it, um, and this is a crude um, uh, description of it <clears throat> only because it's very, very technical and, and not worthy of putting out all that kind of information here. But needless to say, there's <clears throat> two strands of a part of a, of a piece of DNA that stick out of this uh, uh, particular uh, strand, and for whatever reason, they seem to be vulnerable uh, to uh, change and vulnerable to the uh, uh, to making the the, um, the disease organism. Um, uh, resistant, uh, so that that's that's how how basically how that part of it works. It's kind of crude explanation, uh, but the uh, the overall explanation of it uh, is is more than I even want to hear because uh, it's not necessary to know for technically for our our purposes. Although um, we we rely on in the poultry sector, uh, both uh, backyard, small flock holder, and commercial, uh, very heavily on the uh, on the sulfur drugs. Uh, but in the commercial sector, uh, one one particular uh, sulfur drug uh, has uh, taken control of the scene uh, in relation to the others. The three drugs, basically, sulmet, sulfamethazine is the uh, the active ingredient. Um, sulfadimethoxine goes under a number of names: albon, dimethox, uh, uh, and so on. Uh, and then uh, sulfoquinoxalin. Now, sulfoquinoxalin uh, by itself, I don't know if there's any manufacturers left making just sulfoquinoxalin. And uh, if I had to rate the three um, from least te- toxicity down to the uh, the uh, greater toxicity, it would be uh, your sulfadimethoxine would be at the top least, uh, your sulmet would be in the middle, and then your sulfoquinoxalin would be the most toxic out of the group. Uh, there are many, many, many different types of sulfurs, but uh, only uh, three or four of them uh, have any great degree of, of, uh, uh, of antibiotic um, or antimicrobial uh, um, use in, in poultry. So, um, and we'll get into why they're ranked the, the way they are and, uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes here. This is not necessarily a real long subject, so we may still have time for going through the uh, the heat wave uh, uh, information, but um, the show itself is better than what, what I'll have to say today because it'll be an abbreviated deal. But <clears throat> an antimicrobial is just uh, any uh, agent that uh, kills microorganisms um, uh, or, in, in many cases, uh, inhibits the growth of it and therefore leads to its uh, being killed in, in that fashion. The uh, sulfur drugs, uh, at least these uh, three here, uh, to have a tendency to interfere with uh, the folic acid uh, pathway in the organism, uh, and that means basically the way that the uh, folic acid in the uh, uh, disease organism is synthesized, uh, the sulfur drugs interfere with that. Uh, the cells can't, uh, uh, they're highly dependent uh, on, on the, the folic acid. Uh, they can't use it, uh, and uh, they uh, end up dying in, the, in that way. And I just want to throw this out there that um, when we've talked about supplements in the past, and we've done, I think, several different shows that uh, pertain to uh, 
using supplements and, and, and so on. Um, and I talked about the fact that in many of these uh, vitamins, minerals, uh, and so on, there is an interrelationship or uh, bet one between the other, and one may rely on the other. You may have enough of one but not enough of the other, so therefore nothing goes forward. Um, folic acid uh, can't be synthesized by the birds. has to be uh, given to them in their diet, either through a complete feed or feeding a lot of leafy greens and that kind of stuff. That's basically where it comes from. It's known basically as vitamin B9, but uh, most of the time we hear it referred to as just folic acid. On the human side, it has a lot of, uh, uh, of, um, of health uh, um, things that it does that are, that are, that are good for human health. Um, there's some evidence to show that it uh, works okay for and helps with uh, cancer. Uh, certainly um, there are issues that it can uh, take care of for uh, uh, pregnancies where uh, uh, there are problems uh, with uh, child uh, uh, development. And so it's a very powerful uh, vitamin, very essential vitamin, uh, but in, in birds and, and other species there's an interrelationship between the folic acid, uh, vitamin B12, uh, and iron. So uh, just to point that out to you, not that it's overly important in this particular conversation, but it goes back to what I've been pointing out all along, that there are, you know, shortness of one thing um, can uh, uh, cause a whole lot of things to become short within the bird system as far as supplementation, vitamins, minerals, and that kind of thing, amino acids, okay? Um, the, the, some of the, of the issues that come about with using sulfur drugs, um, the harsher they are, the worse they are, the more damage they have the potential to do. That doesn't mean uh, that if you run out and you got some sulfur chronoxalin and you used it uh, exactly as the directions uh, uh, told you to, uh, that you uh, uh, would have a problem. Uh, chances are you probably wouldn't. In most cases, uh, uh, we're able to use these drugs, whether it be Solmet, whether it be sulfadimethoxine, or whether it be the sulfur chronoxalin, when used properly uh, and to the letter of the directions as a general rule, uh, there are no general issues. The, um, so these, all three of these, and again, I ranked them, sulfadimethoxine first, least invasive, uh, sulmet next least invasive, uh, uh, or, or more invasive rather, and then sulfocronoxalin, the, the one that's going to do the most damage. Um, and um, some of the... the uh, damage that they would cause are uh, kidney damage, liver damage, uh, uh, bleeding excessively uh, in, the, in the body cavity, uh, easily bruised birds, uh, the, the breast tissue, the legs, uh, and, and so on, uh, and obviously uh, uh, certainly mortality. And uh, it interferes with the absorption of vitamin K um, so that it, um, <clears throat> you have a problem. From, that's where the bleeding problem basically comes in. So. Uh, these, um, again, these, these drugs, for the most part, are fine. The commercial poultry industry got away from using the sulfocronoxalin uh, because of the problems with it. Uh, in, in many cases, these medications are dropped off to growers, and growers are left to, it's explained to them how to do it, and then the serviceman walks off the farm and goes, and the guy is, goes out and does some chores, and he comes back, and then, well, how did he say to mix this stuff? Well, you read the label, and the label's gobbledygook, or... They don't understand it or they don't understand the math part of it, and they put too much in and then birds start dying and, and, and so on and so forth. 
And so over the years, um, the industry itself uh, has moved away from it. A lot of folks might have known uh, sulfoquinoxalin uh, when the old Salisbury Laboratories and Solvay and then Fort Dodge had what they called Sulquin 650, okay? And that basically meant to put six ounces of the Sulquin uh, into 50 gallons of water. And um, so um, the, um, they got away from using that, uh, that particular one. Uh, there was one prior to that, a fourth one called sulfathiazole. Uh, it was a suspected carcinogen, and that was removed from the market as well. But it was a very good, um, again, one, if, if I had to rank them, I would put sulfathiazole at the top, sulfadimethoxine, sulmet, and then uh, your sulfoquinoxalin as far as their toxicity is concerned. Um, so, um, but we don't have the sulfathiazole anymore. It's been taken off the market quite some years ago. Um, the most common route of administration for these particular sulfur drugs, uh, when we talk about using them, uh, is in the drinking water. Okay, and uh, it's cheap. It's easy. Um, very convenient. Uh, just uh, mix it up correctly, put it in the drinking water, and then walk away from it, and you're basically done. Um, in a few minutes, we'll go into problems associated with using the sulfur drugs uh, when it's hot out, because there is an issue there, and people need to be aware of that as well. But we'll go into that in a couple of minutes. The um, most of these are uh, absorbed uh, fairly rapidly from the intestinal tract, uh, providing that the bird has a intestinal tract that is in relatively decent shape. Um, the um, uh, the sulfurs themselves are uh, widely distributed in the body tissues, meaning that they spread out fairly evenly uh, everywhere. Um, the um, the uh, the way that uh, <clears throat> all all medications, not just not just sulfur drugs, but all medications are excreted from the body um, in basically one of two ways, or in some cases, uh, 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 two or three ways. Um, for instance, um, it can be excreted uh, through the liver. In other words, it'll be metabolized mainly in the liver and then excreted out, and then it'll be either the, the drug will be excreted in the urine part of the dropping or in the fecal part of the dropping or both, okay? It just depends on the uh, the medication, um, and we'll go into that part of it here in just a second. Um, so uh, what that basically means, too, is that that also leads into part of where the toxicity issues um, come in. Those sulfur drugs that are primarily um, excreted through the urine part um, have a tendency to give you more trouble, okay? Uh, as far as uh, kidney problems uh, and, and that kind of thing, uh, or toxicity from from the uh, from the drug, and um, so you have to be careful w with that. Um, there is uh, some information around uh, on the, uh, and, and this would be sticking to uh, the letter of what the <clears throat> drug label says, uh, but we look at. Um, on average, we've talked about drug residues before, and um, uh, these these drugs are no different. Um, they um, have a tendency to uh, to like uh, lipid proteins, and they're highly adapt protein adaptable. 
and so they they have a tendency to to uh, accumulate uh, greater in the egg, but more so in the in the uh, in the yolk itself. Okay, they uh, some of them do accumulate uh, fairly readily in the albumen or the white part of the egg, uh, but have a tendency to uh, then uh, dissipate fairly rapidly over a course of several days. Um, if I had to look at it, I would say that in the data that I have seen, uh, that the uh, residue will stay in the yolk uh, twice as long as it would in the uh, in the albumin for most uh, of the sulfur drugs. Um, in the case of, of Solmet, um, we would be looking at it roughly about um, 15 days, and after that point. Um, again, being used correctly, um, uh, there are a number of factors that go into um, uh, the, the situation here. For instance, birds that have direct access to their own droppings um, may have some uh, further residue issues uh, because this being excreted in the droppings and the birds being uh, ones that will consume their droppings um, so that would give them a, a possible uh, further dose of the medication even after medication has been stopped. And this is probably more so for birds that are what we call floor birds that are inside of a, a building and never see outside. Uh, less of a tendency to see something like this in free-range birds by far or birds that are allowed uh, out into a much larger penned area uh, so they're not readily having access to their own droppings. They can if they choose, but there's so many other things generally they'll go on and eat grass and bugs and just go sun themselves somewhere after they've had their uh, their uh, natural uh, food that you would be feeding them uh, uh, complete feed from the feed store. So uh, egg residues can be a problem. Um, generally, uh, the labeling on all sulfur drugs is the same as it is on most other drugs that are uh, meant to be used in poultry in any way, shape, or form, and as that is, they are not to be used on birds producing eggs for human consumption. Okay, uh, that's the general rule of thumb, uh, and that's the way the Food and Drug Administration uh, looks at it. And to my knowledge, to this day, there are no drugs that are uh, other than Amprol, which I don't consider a drug because it's an antagonist, um, <clears throat> that are used in, in poultry uh, legally for. Uh, birds that are using or um, producing eggs for human consumption. Um, the sulfoquinoxalin uh, had less of a tendency to stay in the in the whole egg, um, somewhere between nine and ten days, uh, and it was more prevalent in the yolk uh, up through nine and ten days. Okay. Um, for the uh, sulfadimethoxine, uh, it was less. Yolk was four days, albumin was five, which is kind of interesting, but there are some rules uh, uh, in the chemistry world that uh, in all of these that may uh, uh, allow the um, uh, sulfur to accumulate for a shorter, short period of time at a greater concentration in the uh, uh, albumin part of the egg, uh, but they dissipate out over the course of uh, five to seven days uh, with the sulfadimethoxine. And again, this is this is a, a drug. Again, I told you, is the least toxic of the bunch. Uh, it is a long-acting sulfa, uh, and you would expect that it would probably have a tendency, uh, you know, to uh, what we call precipitate out quicker. Okay. Um, the 
next part of this thing here is kind of a, an interesting thing. Um, it, it, it involves um, molecular weight of the uh, different sulfur drugs, and there's a direct correlation between a sulfur drug's molecular weight and its uh, ability uh, to be excreted from the body and also has a, uh, uh, a major influence uh, on the route of uh, excretion from the body. So, in other words, the depending on the molecular weight of the particular uh, sulfur drug, uh, its pathway out of the body will either be um, what we call um, um, the, the urine part uh, or the, through the liver, which is uh, the, uh, called biliary part, uh, or through the feces, or through possibly all three. Um, the molecular weight, um, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly how to figure it out, nor do I necessarily care. Uh, but it is calculated based on the uh, molecular structure of the particular um, medication that you're using, whether it be a sulfur drug or any other. Um, so it's a matter of um, uh, taking all of the, the uh, elemental structures in the, in the um, uh, sulfur drug or other drug and... Um, they all have a number assigned to them. And after that, I can't remember what happens to the numbers. <laughs> not, not that I really care. But you've seen all of these wacky formulas, C-H-O, or C-4-O-2-H-3, uh, whatever, uh, all have a, 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 a play in it. Uh, what we're interested in is the total molecular number that comes up with, uh, or the molecular weight uh, of a particular product. So... Um, and I always tell you when I'm reading something to you, so I'm going to read this part to you because I'm not going to remember it. Um, so if you want to rank these things, um, the higher the, um, the uh, molecular number, especially uh, um, when you start to get above uh, 300 uh, as a weight, um, the route of, of excretion changes uh, from strictly uh, renal or, or kidney um, or, or urine to the, uh, to the liver, the biliary route. Um, and the higher the number, once you get up to, uh, you know, four or five, six hundred, uh, it's predominantly generally one that will uh, excrete through the, uh, through the liver and, and not through the, uh, uh, and not through the, uh, the kidneys. Uh, what's the importance of it? The importance at the end of the day is uh, there's been a lot of controversy. Uh, Dr. McRae uh, uh, has said this numerous times. She's been part and parcel to uh, a farm or two or three or so, I guess, that um, had used some Solmet and used it correctly and um, um, had some huge, tremendous issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons <clears throat> that that could be uh, – uh, is because uh, the molecular uh, uh, weight um, of sulfamethazine is 278. It's a little over that, but 278 for round numbers. Um, the sulfur dimethoxine has the highest at about 332, and the sulfur quinoxalin right at 300. So it is closer to the renal root or the kidney root than it is to moving on to the uh, biliary route or the, or the liver route. Uh, this may be confusing for people, but I think it's important to, to understand 
that um, it makes a difference. And that is probably why we're experiencing problems from time to time. Now, you may use it and use it for 35 years and never have five seconds worth of trouble with it. But there are a uh, increasing number of people uh, that are using it, and uh, um, the more people that use it uh, and possibly use it improperly uh, or overdose uh, and those kinds of things, you're going to see a harsher reaction in some of these birds. And you, you know, I know there are people that love it, and I'm I'm okay with that. But as a general rule, I, I do not sell it. I'm not necessarily interested in uh, in doing that. So. Um, that's that's the rhyme and, and, and reason uh, for this, um, uh, in my opinion, from the data that I've seen over the years, what I know about the drugs, uh, and um, how they're excreted, uh, where when you get into the sulfadimethoxine, uh, it is going to be uh, excreted a little bit more through the liver than it is through the, uh, 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 the renal root through the kidneys. And, and what does this mean at the end of the day? These drugs... All three of them are capable of doing this, but based on molecular weight uh, and other factors, the propensity to have an issue with sulmet and sulfoquinoxalin are greater than sulfadimethoxine. And what happens is, to make this easier to understand, is that when there is a pH change in the bird's body and the pH of the, of the bird's uh, droppings, urine, blood, tissues are changed and become more acidic than alkaline, you get this crystallization of the sulfur drugs in the renal tubules of the kidneys, and there is no fix in it. It's permanent. And so you get these droppings in these birds that almost look like a cigar ash. Um, <clears throat> I won't say that happens in every case, but in, in severe cases it does. And... Um, so you, you know the you need to be careful with this. And what what part of what brought this up? Somebody was talking about these uh, uh, things on Facebook, and they brought up um, and I'll throw this out there because it is available. But and, and I wouldn't use it unless there were no other uh, products available to get me where I wanted to go. But it's called poultry sulfa. Um, years ago, we used to call it triple sulfa, um, and um, made up of three different sulfas, uh, sulfamethazine, sulfoquinoxalin, and I don't remember the other one. doesn't matter. Um, the middle one is relatively safe compared to the, uh, the uh, sulfoquinoxalin, and you can generally tell on a bag of stuff when you look at it. If my memory serves me correctly, I think that the sulfoquinoxalin was somewhere down around 29 milligrams or something to the bag or uh, whatever, and the others were 79. So when you start looking at it that way, you can automatically look at it and say, well, these, you know, they have a higher dose to make them either more effective or they're at a higher dose to be more effective, but they're still safe compared to this other stuff. Um, look, over the years, Sulquin 650 or the sulfoquinoxalin uh, 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 sulfur was used extensively. Uh, was it good? Was it effective? You betcha. And here's the other problem with it. You can't use it every day. It's a three days on, two days plain water, and then back for another two days maximum. Okay? Because if you if you violate those rules, then you set yourself up for these issues that are going to come about 
uh, with the uh, you know with the um, uh, toxicity levels. So, um, and that brings us to almost the end of this, where I want to talk about the toxicity of this now with the with the hot weather that we have going on now. I would never put any sulfur drug uh, in a bird's water during this heat. Um, if you're in cool weather, that's fine. But um, in this heat, they are going to overconsume this sulfur drug. Uh, it's not eliminated from the body that quickly and could become toxic. <clears throat> so everybody needs to be cautious about what they do with this. Think about it this way, and this, this, this also leads into... Um, 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 yeah, can't even think. Huh? Uh, this hot, hot weather thing we're going to talk about here, hopefully in a couple of minutes. Uh, okay. As the uh, starting with a base temperature of roughly 70 degrees, okay, because that's where most norms are started. Okay, for every two degrees of temperature rise, a bird's water consumption on average is going to be about seven to eight percent higher with every two degrees that it moves upward. So if you, if you look at uh, the difference between 70 and 90, 20 degrees, and divide that out by two, that's a tenfold increase. I mean, they're going to be drinking water like crazy as a general rule, providing mm -hmm. you're providing cool water. So if they're going to be, you're going to have this sulfur-medicated water, and they're going to be drinking that much water because of the heat, you could run into some serious issues. And that's one of the reasons why I brought this up. I thought it was a good topic uh, to throw out there to people because people have been kicking this around to little post. And now you know the rhyme and reason why. It's not just because uh, right. I have some connection to sulfur dimethoxy. I have no allegiance to nothing. Um, you know, I, I buy stuff from some things get bought directly from manufacturers. Other things get bought from a huge distributors. It just depends on what it is and, and the volume. But... Um, so I get, I get nothing out of it by saying that one's better than the other uh, and trying to, uh, you know, shade one thing to the other. The evidence is there. Uh, the research is all there. It's been done for years and years and years. Um, but um, are they good products? Sure. That's why, you know, every, every label you look at has a little eye on the bottom of it, and that eye is there to remind you to read the directions. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, and it... And it it's that way for everybody. I mean, when you don't read the directions, you usually have issues. And this product is, these products are not forgiving, you know. So. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing all of the, not, not related to backyard poultry, but I'm, I'm picturing all the dads on Christmas morning putting together <laughs> all these toys. I don't need no stinking directions. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that <laughs> recently. I've got a few extra <laughs> bolts here or there, but you know, that's, I'm sure what they 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 were probably just extras in the bag. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yep. That's what I was but, picturing. Okay, well, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break, and then when we come back, we will um, uh, touch a little bit about uh, the the topic of of um, heat and uh, keeping our chickens calm, cool, and collected. And as promised, uh, on our Facebook page later this afternoon. Um, after the show, I'll post uh, the entire episode uh, regarding keeping our, our chickens uh, cool um, or keeping them comfortable in the, uh, in the summer months. So uh, we'll return with more Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, right after this short break. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brent 
the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensi.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brensi. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphisusda.gov. A message from the USDA. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. Actually, in reality, I am... Super 
Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Just a quick reminder that this coming Wednesday, I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking all about essential oils again with Purple Lotus Essential Oils. Uh, that'll be this coming Wednesday. And then this Thursday, we've got Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, that's going to be joining us. And if you'll give me just a second, I'll take a look and see what our topic is going to be for this Thursday. Well, let me see. I thought I had it here. Uh, I guess I must have. Well, let me just scroll down a little bit. Nope. Well, I thought I had it. I guess I don't. That's somewhere in La La Land. Anyway, this Thursday, Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, will be joining us talking again uh, all about the topic of sustainable living, homesteading, and um, kind of living off the land. So uh, that will be this coming Thursday. So we've got a full week lineup for you here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Let's go ahead and bring back Peter Brown, Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply.com. And we'll wrap up with some things regarding um, kind of the top, the, some, some, uh, some top things you can do regarding keeping your poultry cool in this heat wave we've got going on. Peter? Yeah, Andy. Um, one thing we didn't uh, mention uh, before about the sulfur drug, and I'll wrap it up real quick. Yeah. That's only um, the basic use for it today. Uh, many years ago, it was used for Salmonella pylorum, uh, coryza, foul cholera, uh, and that kind of thing. But today, we predominantly use it for um, coccidiosis. Okay, mm-hmm. and it. Um, I haven't seen any recent research, and and uh, but. Back in the day, it only covered two of the species of coccidia anyway. Um, so it's, um, uh, you know, most, most of these anyway. So uh, if you have something else, uh, you know, ampril, uh, uh, it basically works almost, almost along the same way. Ampril ties up thymine, which is vitamin B1, versus this one with the folic acid, which is vitamin B9. But... Um, you could use it for for uh, <clears throat> to get started on coryza uh, or foul cholera. Uh, there are other medications you can use, uh, but if I were going to use this for, uh, let's say, uh, coryza, I would use it for five to six days in the drinking water, which is cheaper than some of the other medications you might uh, come back with behind that, and I'd follow up with 10 days of, of another medication, something along the lines of gallomycin or something like that. But anyway, I thought I'd just throw that out there before we jumped off the bus and get on to something else. Yeah, sure. Now, as far as the, um, the, the heat wave we've got coming on here, um, we're getting ready to crank up our chicken coop air conditioner for the next couple of days, probably the way it looks here, uh, mm-hmm. for the evening hours anyway, once we close up the coop and stuff. Um, and we'll judge that by what the overall temperature is. We've been lucky so far. We haven't had to crank it up yet, but we're going to uh, be out there tonight messing around with it and making sure everything is, is right. And... Um, Right now, you know what? What can you do? Things you can do is, uh, are to uh, to keep these birds comfortable. Uh, and you know, you say, okay, yeah, it's 95 degrees outside. How to keep them comfortable? You keep them comfortable by keeping them calm, uh, keeping them out of direct sunlight, uh, plenty of fresh, cool water. Um, mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of things you can do to bring their body temperature down. You can put aspirin in the drinking water. Okay, um, aspirin. Roughly 340, 350 milligrams or so per gallon of water. Um, you can add sodium bicarbonate to the water, uh, about four grams or so per gallon of water. Um, 
again, provide shade in any way that you can. Um, it doesn't matter if you can uh, go to your local uh, farm store and get some burlap and put it up on the fence and pull it out and put it up on some two-by-fours in a, in a very measly-looking lean-to. It doesn't matter as long as the birds can get under mm-hmm. and get out of that direct sunlight, put some nice, cool water there for them. Uh, it's, it's my interpretation of things uh, that no bird should succumb to this heat in a backyard, mm-hmm. small flock holder setting. None. Not one. I don't care what the rhyme or reason is, there is no need for it uh, in this day and age with all of the things we have. Uh, as many times as we beat our chest on it here on this show about you know how to take care of them in the heat, how to take care of them in the cold, uh, you know, and all of those things. So um, here's, here's another one. <clears throat> we talked about the sulfur drug a little bit ago, and what we were talking about there is... Uh, uh, not using it at all. Well, if you really were forced to use it, use it in the early morning. As soon as it heats up, knock it off. And, and once it cools down uh, reasonably well in the evening, let them back into it again. But don't give it to them all day long. Mm-hmm. Okay? Same thing with your feed. Feed them real early in the morning, let them get their belly full. And as it heats up, knock it off. And that will help keep their body temperature down. Uh, if you've got uh, children running around chasing the birds from one end of the yard to the other, make them stop. You know, uh, decrease the uh, the activity level of the birds uh, as best you can. If you got an unruly rooster, put him somewhere where he can be unruly all by himself. And um, you know, th- those kinds of things. Adding vitamin electrolytes to the water will help the birds retain uh, water because they they every time they breathe and respire, they're they're giving off water so they can dehydrate. Um, use sprinklers on your roof. Uh, add vitamin C to the water. Uh, fog your birds with a, a, a fine spray of cool water. I know I've heard people saying, well, they don't like it. Well, that's fine. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, provide a place for them maybe to even stand in. I've got a couple that just like to stand in water, uh, and they're not ducks. And, um, you know, any of those things that you can do to, to offset the, uh, uh, the problems that are associated with, with uh, uh, heat prostration uh, or heat stroke, if you want to call it that way, um, I mean, you can take a wet cloth, a wet piece of burlap, and have st- stretch it up in front of a fan, and uh, turn the fan on high and let it blow through it, and keep the uh, keep the burlap or the or the cloth wet, and you're going to get an evaporative cooling effect on the other side of it. Uh, the uh, and, and again, I offer it again. The, you know, the artist rendering I have, so that you you could look at this these drawings, uh, and you could make your own. Uh, swamp cooler if you wanted to, for a simple fan from Walmart and a couple of pieces of tubing and, and, and however you want to do it. And uh, so uh, there really isn't any rhyme or reason for any bird to have to succumb to this, this weather. Uh, just use your head uh, uh, and, uh, you know, keep them out of that heat. Uh, there's, you know, they, they, they have a, a less of a tolerance to heat than they do cold. They can tolerate cold way more than they can heat. With heat, you've got roughly... Depending on a bird's body temperature, 105, 106, uh, birds start dying at 113 body temperature, internal internal body temperature. So you don't have that latitude with the heat, and it doesn't take long. Once you see a bird's out in the yard standing around and they're uh, already mouth wide open and panting crazily, uh, the trouble's already starting. And uh, if you've got older birds, it can cause heart attacks, uh, can cause all kinds of problems. So use your head. Go out there and do the best you can. Keep the water cold. The colder the water, the more they'll drink. 
the more water they drink, the uh, cooler they're going to keep their internal body temperature. If you have a bird that is succumbing to the heat, you can um, try to cool them down from the inside out rather than from the outside in. You can do both, but I would start on the inside first, and I would uh, tube or garage, however you want to do it, uh, water down the, down the throat, uh, nice cold water, uh, which will help uh, you know, um, lower their internal core temperature quickly, whereas putting them in a cold bath on the outside is going to take a while. So if you, and you have to be careful. You don't aspirate the bird and everything else. I'm not talking about drowning them. But you want to make sure that you get some nice cool water into them, get them in a shade, get them in an air-conditioned place, uh, and go with it from there. So all of these things can be done. Anybody needs any help with anything, we have just, uh, in the last couple of weeks, put up some really nice waterers for next to nothing. Uh, comparatively, I put up some the other night. They are a, they, uh, the, uh, you said you were running a two-for-one special, weren't you? You're still running a two-for-one on the one gallon. I've got a gallon and a half that's really super because the... Uh, the base on it is, is uh, uh, 12 inches in diameter. That's a full foot, and it's a gallon and a half. It's real nice. It's got a um, it's got a handle on it, and we're offering those two for 16.95. That's a bargain as far as I'm concerned. Um, anybody has any problem with the shipping, just let me know, and I'll do my best to uh, to make sure that the shipping is correct. Because sometimes, depending on where you are, everything's based on. Uh, here's the thing: it doesn't weigh anything, and it's dimensional weight. Okay. Right. And sometimes, you know, um, we might be able to fudge some things around on this end just a tiny bit to uh, to make things work. But if they have to go in a bigger box, I can't help that. But well, I'll, I'll try to help anybody that's interested in them. And uh, they're they're really a nice a nice piece. I sell a lot of them. Uh, when I sell them at the shows, I sell them for more than that. So good deal. Got to love it. Well, thanks for uh, letting us know about that. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Every Monday, folks, you can hear Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Check out his store www.firststatevetsupply.com and you can contact him if you have any questions um, chickenbr at firststatevetsupply.com Peter, thank you very much for joining us today stay cool this week, keep your chickens cool and uh, we look forward to seeing you next Monday right here on Backyard Poultry Okay Andy, thanks, I appreciate it Thank you very much Folks, that was Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Go check them out. Great stuff. If they don't have it, you don't need it. Uh, and, hey, check out, check out the special he's got on his uh, on his water is there, two-for-one special, and a special discounted price on a gallon-and-a-half water with the 12, 12-inch full-foot base. Um, Got to love that. So, uh, again, thank you very much for tuning in. Again, Wednesday, I believe we're going to have, um, last time we talked, we were looking at this Wednesday, uh, having uh, a show again all about essential oils and uh, Purple Lotus essential oils going to be here. And then Thursday, P, um, not Peter Brown, he was just here, <laughs> Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine will be here, and I'll be posting uh, the topics for all of those shows on our Facebook page. Also today, later this afternoon, I'll post on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. Um, the link to the previous May 27th podcast where we talked all about keeping your chickens calm, cool, and collected with Peter Brown. And also on the Facebook page right now is how you can enter the chicken coop contest from that's in the summer edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. It's a direct link right to the entry form. So very cool. You can enter and try to win that awesome chicken coop from UrbanCoopCompany.com. Their coops are 
Chicken Whisperer approved. So hope you have a wonderful couple of days. We'll be back here Wednesday talking all about essential oils. And uh, be safe out there, and we'll talk to you then. God bless everybody.